Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we uh, have been gathered in by your Spirit. Uh, we've heard your scriptures read aloud, and now we uh, come to your word proclaimed. Would you open our hearts and minds uh, to hear afresh from you today, that we might be sent forth from the power of your Spirit uh, to bear witness to your goodness and faithfulness. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. If I was hosting a kid's TV show, uh, maybe Sesame Street this week, the word of the week would be disorientation. A lot of kids know that word, right? Uh, disorientation has been uh, the state of life for my family. Uh, we are a predictable people. We like to go to school at the school time. We like to go to work at the work time. We like to eat our snacks at snack time. We like to watch uh, Jake and the Neverland Pirates at TV time. All of that is out the window. We are disoriented in our relationships. We love to see our friends. We love to uh, go play with our neighbors. We love to walk around in town. We love to go to stores, and we don't get to do any of that. Uh, our rhythms are so disoriented, we frankly lose track of the day. I, I'm uh, structured now to morning prayer and noonday prayer and evening prayer. But most days, if we're not gathering for worship, I don't know what day it is. I have to look at the calendar every morning and go, what Zoom calls do I have? <laughs> uh, those are the only thing keeping me going, people, so keep scheduling them. Uh, disorientation is not natural to us. It's not uh, how God has created the world. Our God is a God of order. Our God brings order from chaos. And so when we get in these periods of disorientation, it feels so hard. I, I can think over the last 20 years of really about four great moments of disorientation. We have uh, what's going on right now uh, has been incredibly disorienting. Uh, when my mother died in 2015 unexpectedly, it kind of shook everything for me. 9-11 uh, uh, changed everything and took me a while to kind of get a sense of uh, what normal would look like. Uh, but frankly, the most disorienting period of my life was my senior year of high school. Uh, many of you know that I was uh, a bit of a wild child. I got in lots of trouble and basically was locked down from fourth grade to tenth grade. Uh, I had no friends in the neighborhood because of that. Uh, I went to a school a couple, like a town away, so I didn't have a lot of friends there. So my parents let me go to church. And so all my friends were there. I had the best friends ever from the youth group. About five guys that we did everything together. We uh, went to church together. We, uh, they had a death metal band, a Christian death metal band that played in storage lockers. I was their sound guy. Um, we uh, weathered hurricanes together at each other's houses. Uh, we, we were about as close as you could get. And we, we formed a plan. We were going to graduate and we were all going to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill together. Forgive me. It's a different time in life. <laughs> um, but that was the plan. We were all going to go. Uh, we applied. We took our SATs. We did all the things you do. And we got excited. We started dreaming about uh, living in the same dorms, about eventually getting apartments together. 
spring semester of our senior year, we all begin getting our letters from schools. I hear from my, my other two backup schools, and I get in, uh, get some scholarship offers. My friends start to hear that they've gotten into UNC. And then I get the thin letter one day that says, we regret to inform you that you've not been accepted. Uh, four out of the five got into UNC. I quickly uh, found my life thrown upside down. What do I do? Uh, I didn't really care about UNC in terms of it being a school. I cared because that's where my relationships were going to be. Uh, my, my love was math and science. In high school, I didn't really focus on the humanities very much. Uh, and it turns out a liberal arts college wants you to actually be good at liberal arts. Uh, so that C in freshman English uh, knocked me out. So I tried to figure out how to uh, rally from that. I ended up going to my second choice school, uh, uh, NC State University. I graduated with 157 people in high school, and when I got to NC State, there were 900 people in my calculus class, or in my psychology class, 600 in my calculus class. Um, we took attendance by social security number. Um, it was uh, a bad season. What was supposed to fix my life uh, actually made it worse. I, I spent the next decade trying to figure out what my plans were, what life looked like. Uh, there were moments where I wanted to blame God for this, right? Like, God, why didn't you let me get into UNC? Uh, I'm a good enough Methodist to know that God didn't uh, maneuver the uh, algorithms and the software so that I would not get in. I didn't get in because I didn't memorize that sonnet in freshman English. I didn't pay attention to rules of grammar. But I kept looking for where God was and what my life would be like after that. The plans all fell apart, and it was about 10 years of wandering. It took getting to Wilmore, to Asbury Seminary, to enter into a new chapter where the direction seemed clear. Before that, there were moments of clarity, um, but it took 10 years to really begin to see uh, how things could be good. Disorientation is hard. Throughout Scripture, we see that God's people get disoriented and God meets them. Today's text is clearly one of those texts about disorientation. I love uh, this story because it, it makes God seem so real to me. It's the story of Jesus and the death of, death of Lazarus. Uh, we see Lazarus and Mary and Martha throughout the text as uh, friends of Jesus, acquaintances. Our text today says that Lazarus was the one that Jesus loved. Uh, some of the texts that aren't in our Bible from that day actually uh, tell stories about Jesus and Lazarus being best friends as kids. They tell stories of them like running around in the village and playing. We don't know if those are true. They're probably not. But I love that that's how the church has understood Jesus and Lazarus. The text opens that we hear that Lazarus is sick. His sisters send word to Jesus. Come, heal him. We see Jesus heal all the time, right? He, he uh, can absolutely receive this request. He, he's done it remotely before. He met the centurion on the road, and the, and the centurion said, you don't even need to come. Just say the words, and my servant will be healed. Jesus receives their request and then stays where he is. If, if seemingly they've grown up together, if Mary and Martha are good friends with Jesus, if Lazarus is the one he loves, 
Why doesn't he show up? Why does he wait? Why does he make them wonder if he's still listening to them? Why does he make them wonder if he still cares? We have the benefit of seeing uh, kind of the narrator story. We get to see the afterword and see that Jesus says, uh, this isn't about death, this is actually about life. Ultimately, uh, he is going to live and God will be glorified. But Mary and Martha don't know that. They just know that they cried out to their dear friend, this one whom they already know to be the very Son of God, and he did not come. Uh, a couple of days later, Jesus decides, I'm going to go. I'm going to go face the crowds and go see Lazarus. Uh, it seems that maybe it takes a couple of days of travel because it says that when he gets there, Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. We're probably looking at maybe six days to a week from the moment the news got to Jesus to when he arrives in Bethany with his family. He goes and meets Mary and Martha and hears their cries and their concerns and, and doesn't admonish them. How dare you uh, question me? How dare you ask me? No, he says, it'll be okay. I am the resurrection and the life. Even when they don't understand it and they start talking about the end times, Jesus says, no, you don't get it. It's going to be okay now. You might not understand it and you might not see it, but just hold on and look. They go to the tomb. Jesus cries out to the Father, calling on the power of God. And then he cries to Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, who's been in the tomb four days, who is, uh, as his, his sister said, uh, smelly and rotten, wrapped up in these things, comes out full of life. Jesus begins to reorient them in this moment. You didn't understand, but that's okay. You saw death, but I promised life. It might not look like what you think it should look like, but I hear. And I love that this is the story of his dear friend, right? Uh, many of the healings where Jesus heals people, uh, it's these strangers, right? It's a not necessarily an emotional distant thing or emotionally close thing. This is the story of the one he loved. I love this picture of Jesus coming to the tomb, even though he knows what is going to happen, coming to the tomb and weeping, being distressed at his core, for even though he knew that he'd bring about good from it, he grieved with his friends, with his people. This seems to be God's pattern throughout Scripture. He knows when we are disoriented. He sees what is going on, and he receives our cries. At every turn, God listens to us, hears our cries, and promises to be faithful. The hard part is that at many turns, it doesn't look like what we want it to look like. We don't understand how God is working. We don't understand what he is doing. But in every one of those stories throughout the Bible, eventually we see that God works it out. That God brings goodness out of death. God brings goodness out of chaos. God brings reorientation out of disorientation. The Psalms of Lament, I love that with the exception of one, they, they are full of people crying out to God saying, Why? Why are you not moving? 
Why are you not responding? Why are these people coming after me? I don't understand, but I'm still going to cry out to you because I believe you listen and I believe you are faithful and that ultimately we will sing your praises. I don't know what it's going to look like, but we will shout for joy because of you, God. We're in a season of disorientation. God is absolutely looking down on what is going on in this world. As good Methodists, we believe that God didn't cause this. You, you might have seen this on the news as uh, God is punishing us for our sin or this or that. We, we don't believe that in the least bit. Instead, we believe that uh, God, who took on flesh with Jesus, is weeping right alongside with us. We believe that God is hearing our cries for him to move in miraculous ways. But we also believe that we don't understand God all the time. We don't always understand how and why he responds in the way he does. Uh, a guy on Twitter this week said that if your theology makes you move to silver linings too fast, you have a very weak theology. Uh, I, I don't want to move us to silver linings yet. But I do want to remind us that we serve a God who does bring about silver linings. As we continue to see what this all looks like, as we continue to see how this unfolds, we will continue to pray for God to move in miraculous ways and in ways that are very natural. We're going to pray for this virus to stop, and we're going to pray for doctors and nurses and med techs. We're going to pray for inventors to come up with better ventilators. We're going to pray for production facilities to produce more masks. We're going to pray for our government officials to be wise. Believing that ultimately God will reorient all of this. Believing that God will bring about something good. We've all, we've all been through disorientation. Uh, the 10 years that came after not getting into NC State for me were hard. But oh, the things that I've experienced because of that. Oh, the way that God has redeemed that. My time at Asbury, I met friends who were as incredible as those from high school. I met my wife. I found First Methodist Church where I healed my understanding of what the church is and who she is. I came to a place where I got to truly understand what it means to be holy people. We've had our kids, this incredible ministry at First Church, this part of what God is doing here. It's very much the silver lining for what was one of the most disorienting parts of my life. If you can look back, you know that God has always been present with you in moments of disorientation. Look for him now. Avail yourself of the means of grace. We're praying every day at uh, 8 a.m., at noon, at 9 p.m. Offerings has uh, twice a week prayer services through Zoom. Andover's got a virtual prayer vigil happening. We've got folks praying in droves. We've got people fasting. We're coming to Scripture in all kinds of new ways that we never thought we would do. Uh, whoever thought we would do a Zoom Bible study together? And we're gathering in worship in weird, strange, unnatural ways because we believe that God's grace is poured out 
in powerful ways to these ordinary things, that God uh, is present and will meet us. He'll fill us with his spirit, fill us with his grace, and go with us. Friends, my prayer in this time of disorientation is that you experience that grace. You experience the peace that comes from Christ, and you abide in that, and he abides in you. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, uh, from Genesis 1, you bring order out of chaos. And all the way to Revelation 21, you bring order from chaos. God, as we sit in disorientation, be so near to us. May your presence be palpable. May your grace be poured out in abundance. And may we know your love. Lord, we know that you are a God of silver linings, a God of redemption, a God who brings out life. Through your resurrection, you offer us hope of the resurrection. We look to that, we look with confidence, and we look with faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen and amen.